Welcome back, my friend. This is Avenue Podcast. My name is Tina Villian, and uh, today I am going to have a guest, my friend Deb Boulanger. You gotta love my French accent and pronunciation, right? <laughs> Deb is joining me for this podcast episode. She's a friend of mine, and uh, she she's also a business coach, and she helps women leaders incorporate take the leap and uh, get into entrepreneurship so this conversation is super fun we talk about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship we talk about uh, when it's time to leave your corporate and do something else what kind of pivots we can see women entrepreneurs make when they take the leap and uh, I also want to know how she feels particularly when she's coaching her clients what she feels about things like obstacles pricing and uh, whether it is too late to get into the entrepreneurship okay so let's welcome Deb so good to see you great to see you Tina how are you doing in New York New York is hot, hot, it's hot. hot. It's like a hundred degrees outside. It feels muggy and sticky. Where in New York? Right? Uh, I'm in Sag Harbor. It's a resort town about a hundred miles outside of New York City, and half of New York City is here right now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> are they all wearing masks, or are they, you know, going wild on the beach, or and just hanging? Out? Uh, a little bit of both. Some yeah. wearing masks, and some going wild on the beach. So. Sag Harbor, help me a little bit. So where is that? Is that in the Hamptons, right? Yeah, it's yeah. in the Hamptons. Yeah, yeah. so right. Uh, so we're on the north end of the South Fork. So right below us is Bridgehampton and East Hampton and Southampton. So um, lovely. Yeah, Sag Harbor is the Unhampton. We're kind of like the hip Bohemian, low key. Oh, that sounds nice. Have you always lived there, or are you? Did you move this, you know, later or some? No, I spent sixteen years in the yeah. in New York City, and yeah. so it was when my son was about seven years old, and he was really into collecting bugs, and he was into nature. And I said, "There's not much nature in in New York City," and so we started looking, and we vacationed out here for one summer, and it was like, "Wow, yeah. we love the water, we love the ocean," and the air and there was lots of sea critters and all sorts of things for him to catch and learn about and so we moved wonderful yeah that sounds like our story as well it's just just really nice to live on the countryside and with the water and all that it's just so nice wonderful you are my first new yorker guest so welcome new york <laughs> <laughs> yeah. new york is in the house <laughs> new york is in the house did you know that when i started my first company i was in new york i was traveling in new york with my then boyfriend now husband and we came to us for our first time and last time as well but i think at least anyway we will come back but uh, this was years ago and we were traveling to New York and we started talking about this like what's your dream what's your dream <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later I had my business rolling and I started all my company you know the things the paperwork when I was in the USA so that was fun yeah, that's right. New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Although we never had any clients. In, we actually did have some, some clients in the US, but it's just that I always have that country as a place where I got started yeah. with my entrepreneurship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, obviously, always entrepreneurship. Awesome. Deb, you have a business and you are a business coach for women entrepreneurs who are leaving corporate, right? 
That's right. Making the leap. Making the leap. Let's talk about the leap. And you have a business and a program called the Launch Lab. Yeah. What is it? What is the Launch Lab? So now uh, I think even more than ever, women are wanting to take control of their time, their uh, money, their ability to earn an income, you know, to break through that glass ceiling once and for all and do something that has meaning and make an impact on the world. And so what we're seeing, especially in the U.S., is women leaving corporate at the peak of their earning potential, you know, in their 40s and their 50s, uh, and saying, you know, that's it. What am I doing fulfilling someone else's vision, working for someone else's dream when I could work for myself? So that, that has been there and that has been a growing trend. And now you take what's going on today and what I'm hearing from my insider sources is that, uh, insiders in, in human resources is that companies are preparing for some pretty big layoffs in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there will be an even bigger trend of women making the leap because here they are, most of them in corporate have been at home, right? Mm-hmm. So they've tasted this flexibility, this work from home experience. They're no longer on airplanes all the time mm-hmm. and they're going to want to do that some more. And even though, you know, they were also hit with homeschooling and if you have kids at home, they're crawling all over your, you know, they're, they're photobombing your zoom sessions. They're crawling all over your laptop. You know, you have to take breaks in the day so you can do the homeschooling thing. That's not always going to be the case, but I think what will happen is, wow, this felt really good. I like being at home. I liked having the flexibility. What can I do with everything that I've spent a lifetime um, in my career learning and growing Mm. and do that on my own? Mm, yeah yeah i can see the same thing happening of course i i do have the kids crawling all over me and then, you know, <laughs> they are here somewhere so if they come in so you know that that's them um do you see that there's a different type of woman uh looking into entrepreneurship now versus for example for six months ago or one year ago or is it the same type of profile i i think it's pretty much the same type of profile yeah. um i do have I don't have anyone who's been recently laid off. So everyone in the launch lab right now really chose to leave their job and they, they had a big dream. They had a vision to do something new and the backgrounds are all very different. You know, some are high level executives involved in global IT and transformation. Some are um, in sales or in marketing, others in engineering um, and what they're doing is they, they found something, they, they have this expertise and they see a problem in the world. So a couple of examples, you know, one of my clients is an expert in building digital communities and, you know, lo and behold, here we are in COVID and people are bringing all their content online and not really understanding the nuances of how to create relationships, how to build trust and set expectations and do all of those things online and make people feel supported so she has a tremendous opportunity. Another one of my clients is all about um, operational efficiency. So she's a, 
a transformation expert. And so now we have all this focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, where's that money coming from? So she's an expert at helping, you know, let, let's reduce costs, do some zero-based budgeting, and divert some of these funds so that you can fund your DEI initiative. And I have another client who's a, a DEI expert. So she, I mean, her phone is just ringing off the hook right now. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity for women who, uh, whether they've just made the leap or they're un dissatisfied in their careers right now, to look for what are the new problems that have emerged uh, because of the pandemic or what are the issues or challenges for individuals or for corporations that have really been amplified that you have the skills to solve. So I think the, the biggest thing we do in the Launch Lab is um, choose the problem you're going to solve mm -hmm. and the people who are the ideal buyers for your solution and to position yourself to stand out in a narrow market. Because I know you and I think the same way about, you know, you have to have a narrow market. You have to have a very specific value proposition. And the biggest mistake people make is, you know, I'll work with anyone who, mm -hmm. right? And they're so afraid of leaving money on the table. And in that fear, you actually dilute your message, you dilute your positioning, you dilute your value, and you dilute your revenue. So, so now you talked about, for example, that they, they take their expertise and experience and then they usually package that to their own businesses. Do they do other type of businesses as well? So what is your experience? Yeah, some people make a major pivot. So, you know, sometimes it's a logical pivot. I was in HR and now I'm an executive or a leadership coach or a career yeah. coach, and that's natural. And some are complete reinventions. So I worked with one client who I interviewed in my podcast in episode 16 in Life After Corporate, Kristen Rowell, who was a partner in a law firm and she was a corporate litigator. I mean, she was taking companies to court and arguing cases on a regular basis. And she had her own, um, you know, crisis, personal crisis, this burnout. She broke her leg in 10 places and found that she couldn't operate at the level she was operating anymore. And her personal health reinvention, finding meditation, um, she was always an athlete, but really amplifying that through nutrition. Uh, she's now a, a keto coach. So she spoke at KetoCon. That was the first time we met. She had a talk she had to create in 30 days. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we have to create, you know, who your ideal client is and what your message is and then put your talk together. So we did that. We did that yeah. in 30 days. She did a fabulous job. And she launched her business. And within a year, she's launched two courses. She private coaches people. And that was a major pivot. That was a major pivot from, you know, high powered attorney, type A personality all the way to someone who helps people who are still stuck in that type A uh, rut, uh, mm -hmm. create more health, create more vitality and really connect with themselves again. I think that's really exciting. I see those transformations as well. I have also quite many creative women. They've been in corporate for all their lives and then they're like, I want to become a photographer or interior designer and they want to go into those things. I think it's really, really fascinating to see that. I think, I, I believe everyone pivots. You know, mm. I think the journey to entrepreneurship is a long and winding road. And I didn't start out as a business coach. Mm. Um, I really started out wanting something completely different and to leave my corporate world behind. And I had been launching services 
shoes for more than 20 years. It was like my secret sauce. It was in my blood. It was what I did. But when I left corporate, it's like I didn't want to have anything to do with the corporate world. And so I launched my business as a health coach. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, eight years yeah. ago. And then I, then I morphed into a relationship coach. And after my own divorce, I was helping other women find love after divorce because I kind of really cracked the code. I'm so analytical. I like cracked the code with online dating. It's like oh. how to get really good dates <laughs> using the online dating apps. <clears throat> and so many women were struggling with that. So I've always, my nose just naturally follows the problem. But when my son went to college, I remember just waking up and sitting at my dining room table and saying, okay, what's next for me right now? And the insight came to me. I was like, Deb, you have a whole 20 year career that you're throwing away. You, you're not using at all. And you had developed, you know, a lot of expertise. You excelled to a high level in the corporation. And I realized that where most women entrepreneurs struggle yeah. is that that whole thing that you just mentioned is, you know, where do I focus? What do I launch? And what happens if it's not working? And when I started my journey and enrolled in this year-long program, I saw so many other women around me failing, mm. you know, because they had an idea and they were passionate about it. They had a vision about it. They built a website and then it was like, crickets or maybe they even you know took that online course built out their own course or program or wrote a book and did all this stuff on social media that they were told to do and mm. crickets you know no clients and yeah. so that's when i realized that nobody's teaching the basic business foundations of finding a problem to solve getting mm. proof that people will pay you to solve mm. that and then carving out that unique value proposition and so that's when i said oh you know, I can do that. That's very interesting. I, <laughs> I love your story when you go for like doing corporate and then you go to health coaching and then relationship coaching. And that's just, I think that is a super, very typical entrepreneur journey for those men and women who have been in business for a longer time. Because, and I think this is really interesting also to see the transformation. And, and you know, usually they maybe, and I did the same, like I went to interior design from corporate IT and management consulting to to interior design, launching products, realized that that was like passion. I love that. I need to do this. And that that dream was born in US. So I kind of blame <laughs> you guys. So so that so I wanted to do that. And then after you know some years I just realized like I love entrepreneurship. I hate this business. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back to what I was doing, technology consulting and coaching and that thing. And now it's like here we go. And I think it's it's interesting to see that I think I want to hear about the challenges that you meet, but I'm just going to open this with this, that a lot of women, they are afraid of that they won't kind of find the final business right away. And that's why they don't start anything and i think there is something called a tri-business <laughs> like in sex and the city you know samantha's had a, a tri-marriage so you know you I, I think it's a good thing to have a tri-business because business is pretty much the same you know you have to get clients you need to sell you need to market you need to do these things and decide a lot of this make decisions but because many of the times you don't get it right the first time. So it's good to have, you just have to start with something and then you will most likely find something else that you actually really want to do. And then you also have the experience of ups and downs and all that. So would, do you experience that? 
I do. I see it in my clients in the launch lab a lot. In fact, a lot of my, the coaching on the mindset side of working with clients is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Get out there, start having the conversation, go for the commitment exposure, you know, record a video, do a webinar, write an article, see who's resonating with your message and then pivot as you go along. So where I see my clients get stuck is that they have an idea and then they just get so caught up in their heads in, you know, just mushing this idea over and over again. And, well, maybe it's not this, maybe it's that, or, well, maybe it's something else. And the only way you can really test and find out where your business needs to be is to start doing it and to start having conversations, start delivering your consulting or coaching services, see who you resonate with. Because a lot of it is like, what gives you joy? you know, who gets you excited in the morning to work with? So we all have had clients where we're like, oh, this is just the wrong relationship, right? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> we'll leave that to another time when the recording is not on, okay? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. So what would you say are the biggest problems that women face when they are like incorporate and they go like, I I'm ready to go do something else. What is the biggest problem first? Or oh, the first problem. What is the first problem? Yeah, the first problem is fake progress. Mm -hmm. So you want to leave corporate and you have this idea. And so you retain a branding consultant and you start designing logos and building your website. Because after all, who will take you seriously if you don't have a website? Right. And so you start <laughs> doing all the accoutrements. Oh, I don't have my LLC yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the truth is the first thing you need is a client, is someone to say, yes, I'll pay you. This sounds amazing. And going through that assignment um, and learning from it and adjusting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I are in the, the same incubator and um, creating leverage in your business. I think that's the biggest mistake is that we spend too much time in the one-on-one, -on -one, too much time in the... Um, reinventing the the coaching one-on-one -on -one coaching experience as opposed to understanding what are the patterns and i think maybe when you're in it or you're in i was in it and market research um we're used to pattern recognition mm. and when you can find the patterns and realize the common problems that people have and put together a solution that works and it's like wash rinse repeat you can mm. bring everyone through that common solution and it doesn't always have to be one-on-one so I think um, trying to get it perfect is is something that that trips people up and also spending all all their time and money on the accoutrements of the outside trappings of what it looks like to be a business owner instead of the inside mindset of aligning with your value. So the other, the other thing that trips women up is uh, pricing your services. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So what do you see are the major pricing mistakes people, women, women entrepreneurs make? All right. So the first thing women will say when they leave the corporate world is I want to replace my corporate paycheck. Mm. I mean, that <laughs> I can literally like record that over and over again. That's, that's one of the first things. And I always ask, what's that number? Yeah. You know, and that's so exciting. Well, yes, that's a reasonable number. Yes, you can absolutely do that. Let's reverse engineer what that might look like. And I'm in the midst of creating a pricing calculator as a, as a free giveaway 
for um, people who are interested in, in solving that. But then when it comes to pricing your services, it's like, uh, oh, I couldn't charge that much. So there's a few things that trip you up. One is how you price your services mixes up with your own personal self-worth. Mm -hmm. So in order to uh, be a premium provider of consulting or coaching services or training, whatever your secret sauce is, you need to be in alignment with your own value and realize that just because you've recently made the leap to entrepreneur, you're not new at this. Yeah. You've been doing this for you know a decade, decades or more in the past, and you've spent a lot of hard-earned time and money perfecting your expertise. So that's the value that you're bringing to the table. Yeah. And the second thing is, what is the value to your client of what you're delivering? You know, what is the what is the opportunity that they get to achieve, and what's the um, What's the value of that? There's an absolute value of that to your ideal client. And that's where I think getting better at having the sales conversation is so important so that you can get your ideal client to a place of actually articulating what the value of uh, achieving their goals would be or solving that problem, whatever side of that coin it is. And the third thing, and this became especially apparent during the pandemic, what can people afford? So everybody has taken a hit in revenue. Um, they're not making as much money as they were before. And so I need to charge less or I need to give it away for free. Mm, okay. Did you see that? Well, yeah, I see that. Uh, but then again, we're in the same incubator. So we know that that's not what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do see that. And, and it's... Um, I think, well, well I think what I see more of is right now that people are kind of, they are hesitant to sell at all though. So right now they feel like, well, now I think it's getting a little bit, people are getting back to somewhat normal, at least the mindset, they're kind of, you know, fed up with the whole situation. But I think it's, I saw a lot of just thinking like, it's not okay to sell because people are hurting that that was more of like so of course people are trying to find some clever ways but i think it's a good thing to sometimes to try to package something quickly as entrepreneurs we can do that because we are so fast so we can basically create a some kind of an offer in in afternoon and just go out with that which is great of course it requires you have some audience and some public you know people who you can talk to but i think it's more even what i've been experiencing this that it's just not okay to sell right now because you know people are hurting and and let's just you know not not let's not talk about growth like that like yeah let's talk about growth yeah. <laughs> let's do that all the time it's important like we have to talk about it we can't just talk about what's going on here right now so we um also i was thinking one thing with pricing this is interesting we just had a workshop before i went on a holiday we talked about this this pricing and as a branding tool as well because if you go out if your first offer when you go out to, with your own your like own business is very low priced then you are branding your business as a low price supplier and i don't think that does any good for anybody and of course we have the profitability i mean you know it will cost you money to grow you know if you're doing advertising like we are doing it is eating a lot of cash so we have to make sure that we have a good profit margins yeah. with whatever we do so we actually can put that back into business and continue growing that so that's definitely some problems 
any other uh, kind of mindsets, uh, shifts that you can see women go through when they finally kind of rinse off the uh, corporate jacket and they put on the flip-flops and, you know, fly the dresses. <laughs> <laughs> like, now, my business, <laughs> let's go. What happens? What, what is the, like, the biggest learnings that they face, both good Well, and the bad? biggest learning is that, and just still sticking with the pricing, I have a brand new client and she just started the launch lab and it was our onboarding conversation. She hadn't even gone through any of the training yet. And we were talking about, um, I said, oh, we have some time. So what do you have going on? She said, well, I have a sales conversation with this person. And um, I think, you know, she was, she was definitely under undercharging her services. And then I got a text from her. It says, oh my God, you know, I had the conversation and she paid in full, the full $2,000. So, um, you know, I agree with you, Tina, when you first start, you start top down or middle out, you never start at the bottom. If you reverse engineer your revenue goal, you'll never hit it um, mm -hmm. with a low priced offer. But the second thing is um, being comfortable in sales and having that sales conversation. So that's a mindset piece as well. And getting into the mindset that when you're selling, you're being of service to someone because you're solving a problem or, or you're helping them realize a goal that they haven't been able to get to on their own. Mm -hmm. And when you don't make an offer or when you don't, um, when you're not seen and heard, if you're not out there on social media or out there speaking, then you're robbing your ideal clients of the opportunity to reach their goals and solve their problems by working with you. And you're robbing yourself of abundance, of cash flow, and so many other things. So it's really all about getting out of your own way. Um, aligning to your value, um, aligning to the value of what you're providing to your clients and being fully present in that enrollment conversation and being fully authentic and mm. standing behind, you know, making that offer. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see you have a sales background because you talk about sales like that. And of course, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. What I mm -hmm. see are people who come from, I mean, like I have an engineering background and that's like a, I I thought that sales was super bad. I loved hanging out with the sales guys because they had the nicest budgets and they needed me to be on the team. So yes. we had a lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, I... I said, I'm never going to do sales. I hate sales and I suck at sales. And that was my default for a long time. And uh, I, that was first when I actually started, became a sales coach, which is really weird that I became a sales <laughs> coach, is that I started understanding that the first job as an entrepreneur is to be a salesperson. If you're a salesperson, then you get to do your design work or your, you know, your, your whatever healing, coaching, what you do. But the first is sales job. And that is something that people don't get it. I mean, they don't, they don't want that <laughs> many times and they just feel like I'm not a salesperson. I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm a coach or I'm a something and I just want to coach. I'm like, well, you don't get to do that if you don't sell. And that's why your first job is to be a salesperson. Then second job is to be the whatever profession and so on. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. Sales, you know, when you first start out, your sales, your marketing, your finance, your HR, you're the CEO. You have to make good strategic decisions. You're responsible for planning. Mm. But if you're not selling, you're not serving. So yeah, so mm. important. 
did you think when you were kind of switching off from corporate, did you said to yourself, how hard can it be? Yes. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, I was launching businesses for a living. It yeah. was what I did for the company I work for. Mm. You know, I was responsible for launching all of their flagship service offerings. I packaged yeah. them, I priced them, I did all the messaging around them. I handed them over to a product manager to go manage and grow the thing. And, you know, sometimes I would do sales training. And then one year I decided, well, this is no fun because no one remembers me <laughs> in this process. So I can create it, I can message it, I can, it can be a super successful uh, program and no one remembers that I was the one who created it. So I, I went to the executive that I work for and I said, you know, I want to own one. And he said, okay, Deb, go and do that. Mm -hmm. So we grew it from zero to 32 million in 30 months. And then I was like, whoa, I am not an operations leader because now there's 53 people. It requires someone else with different talents than I have to do this. So I thought I could do this. I thought, no, I just built a $32 million business. How hard can it be building my own coaching practice? Because I know all of this. But, you know, when you move from the B2B world to online marketing and digital marketing, and I'm of a generation and I wasn't born with a cell phone in my hand. So there's a whole, there was a whole different technology infrastructure. The first thing I did was hire a friend of mine who had like made the leap four years before I did. And I said, Kim, we're still really great friends today. Kim, I need you to set me up. Like what technology do I need? And in that, in that decade, it was like one shopping cart and instant teleseminar. It was before <laughs> Zoom and Infusionsoft. So, you know, all of those, the CRM tools, the video marketing tools, um, advertising and all of that, um, creating group programs and how do you deliver a group program? Mm. Uh, and all of that was so super important and how to sell. Yeah. How to sell was, was huge. Yeah. It was really huge because you're selling yourself. You're not selling, you know, your, com your other company and someone else's product. Mm. You're selling yourself. And, mm. and, uh, you know, as we already talked about, there's a lot of mm. sticky stuff that gets tangled up in that. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that comes up. I mean, you're not really kind of prepared for that when you leave a corporate. I have a question about um, the people, uh, particularly women you work with when they are maybe in their forties or fifties or sixties, and they're thinking about the leap. And as you work with a little bit more um, <laughs> grown-ups, okay. So you don't work with like 20 year old. Do, do you feel that they feel sometimes that I'm too late in the game? Like, I, I like, am I, am I too old? Do you, do you meet that? Yeah, I think mostly, you know, as you get into the later decades, right? So women in their fifties, women in their sixties, they start asking themselves, you know, is it too late for me? Mm. And what I love um, is that it's never too late to start, right? It is, um, especially if you're in your fifties or in your sixties and you want to work for another mm. 15 or 20 years mm. and you have something that's a valuable skill. And I'm thinking right now about all my executive coaching clients or my leadership coaching clients, because what's happening right now is we're promoting really smart people who are really good at individual contributor roles into positions of leadership. 
and they have no leadership skills. You know, they don't know how to have difficult conversations. They don't know how to inspire people or coach people. They don't know how to lead from strengths. And so, you know, you have these, well, I work with women, but you have these leaders who have decades of leadership experience mm. that can now apply that and teach younger up and coming leaders to be better leaders. So I think there's, there's always an opportunity. And I think um, sometimes there's even more of a challenge for women in their 40s who have, you know, who are pulled between the responsibilities of home and family mm. and starting their own business. When you're in your 60s or 50s, your kids are grown. You know, mm. they're either in high school or college. You may mm. have an empty nest mm. and there's so much more time that you have time and attention to devote to the business. So in mm. some ways, you know, later stages work better. Yeah, it's been uh, interesting to <laughs> like yeah. get, get some businesses and all that. But I, I like the chaos a little bit. But it's, it's really, I can see it now that it's uh, there's a little bit more structure and because they're not all over the place all the time. Tell me, where can our listeners go and find more about the Launch Lab and working with you? Uh, right now, if you're thinking about making the leap to entrepreneurship, there's a great guide that I created called Nine Questions to Ask Yourself if You're Ready to Make the Leap, and it's thegreatdoover.com forward slash nine. Um, so Great Doover is G-R-E-A-T-D-O-O-V-E-R. Looks like doover.com uh, forward slash nine. And then um, the Life After Corporate Podcast, of That's course. That's right, yeah. My, right. my baby, I'm Your so baby. excited about, yeah. Yeah, good, so great. So thank you so much, and uh, I will talk to you soon again. Sounds great, Tina. Thank you so much. It was so much fun.